Hey everyone, welcome to the Lessons in Letters podcast. I'm here today with someone that I so admire and I'm just excited. I'm not even going to give it a huge intro. Welcome, Sam. Thanks, Avery. The admiration is very mutual, I would say. Oh my gosh, no, you are too, too kind and I swear you're always bragging about everyone else. So I'm so excited to brag about you, but let's just kick it off. The first question I ask everyone on the podcast are you ready I'm so ready all right Sam what is your most embarrassing story okay um it's sad that it came so quickly to my head and it's even worse that it's a professional story but I'm gonna tell you anyway (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and anyone that's listening from MA Architects will know this because I think I'm a legend in the worst way possible at the office but uh that's okay that's so untrue (laughs) so Quick uh, background, we developed this concept called the respite room and it's a privacy room. It's rooted in evidence-based psychology and psychological features from a design perspective that support the central nervous system. Why you need to know that. It's a private room off that office beating path that people can go and relax and regenerate and have some uh, respite from any stressful uh, parts of their day. We had this huge event at work, huge, 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 where our top tier clients were coming to tour the space and see the respite room for the first time ever. And this room was created in conjunction with this guy, Mark Bryan, who I work with, who is a dream of a human. He's a futurist and a brilliant designer and just a great human. So we are in this room, door shut, trying to get everything ready because all these top tier clients are coming. And I mean, I'm talking about like our A-listers, right? And so we're getting everything ready and we're, you know, pumping up the pillows and primping everything. And um, all of a sudden, someone just opens the door and it's Yamir Steiner. And he is the guy that owns Easton Town Center and he owns uh, Steiner Developers. And he is this older Russian gentleman and he comes in and he just walks into me and Mark and we're both so startled when he opens the door because we didn't expect to see him. And I'm like, oh, oh, he's married to a man. And I don't know why that was my knee-jerk reaction. Mark has a, a lovely husband, Sean. And I just felt like he really thought that he was walking in on seven minutes in heaven or something. And I wanted to die. And somehow I had no censor. And, and uh, yeah, in front of possibly one of our largest clients, I literally just said, he's married to a man. And I, no. there's the two of our partners from MA with Yamir and I literally, if I could have melted into the ground and just disappeared forever, I think that would have been okay. But uh, yeah, so if you ever are around MA and you hear someone just randomly burst out, he's married to a man. Now you you know why and uh, you'll see my cheeks. Stop. Yeah. Sam, mm-hmm. I would have never guessed. That that <laughs> oh, yeah, it was really smooth. Because <laughs> I've actually seen the respite room and like literally I'm imagining this going down play by play and it was awful. It truly, it felt like I got walked into seven minutes in heaven in like sixth grade or something, but uh, it was very much not what it seemed. And that was just the way that I uh, managed oh, from a crisis communications my. perspective poorly. <laughs> this, that is actually so funny. I'm yeah. so happy you shared that because yeah. it just proves that even if you're like so successful like you are You're we kind. still do crazy embarrassing things oh, for sure. that is amazing <laughs> that is awesome sam but like i said you are literally the first person to brag about literally anyone in the room so for a second i just gotta brag about you you're so kind um sam for the younger crowd who isn't aware of what 40 under 40 is um 
let me explain a little bit. It's essentially just an award that the most influential people in an area receive. And Sam was one of these recipients. Um, was it last year? Last year, which is a tremendous deal. And not only that, is she just a boss in the business field? She is out there in the community serving people. She's a good friend. She is a wife and soon to be mama. And she is literally doing all the things. And like I said, she's killing in the business field. She's a director of communications at the best architecture <laughs> firm in Columbus. Top architecture firm in Columbus. Yes. <laughs> M&A Architects. Little plug. But Sam, like I said, you've been recognized in the business field, but I see you as in the business of making people's day because you're always going out of your way to make people feel so loved and special. So I'm curious, what is your philosophy behind this? And like, how are you the way you are? Why are you like this? Well, this is amazing. I'm glad this is recorded. I'm going to listen to that little hype uh, yes. insert anytime I need it. You, you are wonderful. Talk about making me feel loved and special. Uh, what is my philosophy behind this? I think there's a lot of cliches that exist. You know, people forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel, all those kinds of things. It is really interesting. Um, when I was, I think, in second grade, I read my first Jacqueline Kennedy biography. It, it was like a picture book. It, I, don't worry. I'm not like a child prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and part of it was saying that she always managed to make everyone feel like they were the most important person in the room. And I was so enthralled by Jacqueline Kennedy, just the way she presented herself and the way she was so poised and so polished. And I just thought, what a cool quality to make somebody feel like they are the most important person in the room. And... So that was something that I don't know why at a young age it really, really resonated with me. And I was really blessed. My parents are raised me to really appreciate the value of everybody. You know, they definitely didn't have preferential treatment for certain people or, you know, there wasn't certain classes or certain groups that they would pay more attention to. Everybody has a story. And it's so interesting because even if you're at the grocery store, you know, instead of just saying nothing when you're checking out, you know, like what's the best thing that happened to you today? Or tell me something great that's happened to you this week. And it's always so interesting when you hear these stories and you can find so much inspiration. And I just think it's such an underutilized way of life to continue to keep motivated in your own life, you know? And then also if I guess subsequently you make these people feel loved and special in doing that, just by recognizing them, it's a win-win. It totally is. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add a real life example. Um, I actually interned for Sam during the school year and Sam was seriously not only a mentor to me but somebody that was a light in my day and for those who might not have had internships before or really know what the work work world is like a lot of people are so prim and proper and shaking hands and this is business and I would walk into a room and Sam's like hey Ange how are you love <laughs> and let me tell you it's a breath of fresh air and it just makes you feel so good and so loved. I, I'm glad you feel that way. Um, because no, I, I sometimes think that. I'm like, my gosh, people who walk into the firm and I'm like, hey, Angel, can you do two minutes? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget that. Like, probably not everyone is used to that. But it's, I don't know. I just feel like when you treat people like people, you know, everything changes. I think a lot of formalities people get tied up in and you start to have more disingenuous conversations and stuff. And so if you just really embrace your humanistic side, it, it is so much more meaningful and so much more fun. Right. And I think it's even a testament to you don't have to follow the same path everyone else is like. So if Sam were to go into the office every day and act like the next person, it would be a boring place. So I don't know if I could, but no, <laughs> you're so right. And there's a time and a place for everything, of course. Yes. And next time I'm around Yarmir, I will not 
act like that but no 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 I'm kidding (laughs) but no absolutely I think it's really really fun to make people feel valued and heard and and special no it is so important I so admire that that's a core value of yours and you do it day to day it's not just something you pick and choose it's your lifestyle thanks for saying that absolutely so switching gears a little bit I remember back at the office we were just chatting and getting to know each other and you asked if I had a boyfriend I said yes and you're curious how do we meet? And I was a little bit reluctant to say because I was like, it's a little bit 21st century. And you're like, girl, my husband and I met on a dating app. Like, it's okay. Yes, we did. And that for me totally opened, like it broadened my horizons and it kind of got me thinking that it's not a one size fits all and how you meet people. So I'm wondering, can you shed a little bit of light about this topic in relationships? Absolutely. Um, Well, first off, I think it's really interesting what you just said, because I think vulnerability, it's a buzzword right now, but I think in its root and in its meaning, it is the connection. You know, that is really where people can feel like they make genuine connections beyond just surface level and really start to break into that substance of a relationship. I once had someone tell me advice that is going to sound so silly and it has stuck with me forever, but I was going through a really hard time and, um, I, I said, you know, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can live here anymore. And this person said to me, it's only as weird as you make it. And it sounds so silly, but I really think that's applicable to everything in life. It is only as weird as you make it. So if you build up like, oh my gosh, I met my husband on a dating app. I'm so humiliated. That's only because you made it that weird. You know, like. That is such good advice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds so silly because it's nothing crazy and, you know, but um, so that's a big part of it. I do think that I have a really strong faith and I think it's really easy to have faith when everything is going right. I think it's really the most important to have faith when you feel like everything is going wrong. Um, so I think that's a big part of it, but, uh, my number one life motto that is applicable and I probably never believed it more than after I met my husband, Russell was that what is for you will not pass you. And I think I, um, liken myself to Charlotte York in Sex and the City where, you know, she's like, I've been dating since I'm 15. When am I going to find Mr. Right? You know, right. I have probably thought that I was going to marry 75 guys before, you know, yes. I mean, down to like a barista on a really bad day. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I think this might be my husband. Cause He's I, yeah. Did you see the way he looked at me? Exactly. I was just, I have always innately prioritized family and so my dream above anything you know was to be a mom and for you know silly things like four years in a row in my sorority was voted most likely to be a housewife you know which at the time was a trophy to me I never thought I would appreciate a career as much as I did truly even up until you know graduation of college so I was always just primed and prepped to be a mom and a wife and a family you know so it always was something I wanted which I think sometimes when you want something so badly you're so willing to overlook other things just to try to get it to happen. And so you're willing to make excuses and you're willing to look past red flags and you're willing to not trust your gut because you just so badly want this thing, this relationship, and not necessarily that it's the right person, but it's the thing that you want, right? So when I met Russ, actually on Bumble, um, we, which I don't think is weird because it's only as weird as you make it, right? we chatted for a spec back and forth and then it really ran dry. The conversation was not exciting (laughs) you know and and that's natural and whatever and a couple weeks later he had messaged me and said you know hey I know these two girls you work with and they happen to be two of my best friends from MA Architects and he said you know they're from my hometown 
do you, you know, are you interested in, in meeting? So I didn't even respond to him because I was like, I don't know how I feel, you know? And I will never forget, we were in a conference room with some of the partners, mind you. And I real quick, I'm like, hey, do you guys know this guy, Russell? And they were like, oh my gosh, he's the hometown hottie. So then, of course, I'm like, okay, if other girls are interested, now my curiosity is Now peaked. we got it. Now yes. we got to check this out. Yes. And so again, what is for you will not pass you, right? I think the really beautiful thing about Russ and to this day is unlike a lot of relationships in the past, I had really had high impressions of people and then I would date them and, you know, just right, wrong, or indifferent, the better you got to know that person, the less and less I start to think of them because I got to really see them when they put their guard down or when they weren't presenting their best selves. With Russ, every time we would spend time together, I found something that I was more impressed by or that I liked more about him or something that surprised me or something that I was like, wow, this is incredible. It was almost like an, every single time a new surprise about something that I really admired and respected and valued. And it just happened really easy. I think that's the other thing too. I wish so badly that I would have believed this when people told me in the past. But if, if you're trying that hard, something's not working. And I think there's a lot of relationships in the past where I would try so hard to force it, you know, that square peg into that round hole. Because like I said, I wanted to be in a relationship. I wanted to be a wife and now a mom and all the things, you know, and instead of just letting it happen naturally, sometimes I feel like I just tried to force it because I'm also yes. so type A and I'm so much like I'll do anything I can, you know. Yes. Um, but once I finally found the right person, you know, what's for you will not pass you. I can't that say it enough. That is so beautiful. I love that and incredibly wise of you to say. And I think girls my age and guys too need to hear that. I know a lot of people in our dating culture too get so stuck on a one-minded track like you're talking then you're a thing and then you're dating for how many ever years and people haven't really learned to like kind of date and realize hey maybe this isn't for me so that is so incredible you said what's for you will not pass you oh, I couldn't I, yeah I can't say it enough I think that's like the most the biggest mantra I would say that I think about almost daily I love it so what would you say to girls and guys my age and younger about being in a relationship knowing what those red flags are so you were talking about being in some relationships and kind of almost having to force it and you knew deep down this isn't for me what are those call outs would you say um if I'm gonna be honest I think that when I turned 28 uh I was I finally got to a place where I was like you know what I'm not here to pass time anymore I do think that dating it's like anything you know we are a collection of the experiences that we have the books that we read the conversations that we have the places we travel to so I do think dating falls into that and meeting different people and seeing what you like and you don't like and I always admire high school sweethearts god bless them but I don't know how they could do it because you don't know you know what you like what you don't like what you're looking totally. for what you're not um so I, I do think it's interesting for sure but I think you always know in your gut you know you always have the answer and I think it's so interesting because any good therapist will tell you you already have the answers you have to just come to that point of clarity to find out what it is so if something doesn't feel right or if you feel like you're playing a lot of games the chances are then it's not really what's for you right if you're like really hyperventilating, thinking about, should I text him back or should I wait another hour? Or you're checking your phone nonstop and it feels like games or manipulation or gaslighting or anything that doesn't feel good. It's not worth it. You know, and I think a lot of it too is being comfortable by yourself. And that's a huge thing. And I think that you have to be confident in that. Um, and I think when you're younger, you just feel better to have a significant other. But I think that if you can find peace in your own presence, that's so key. 
and you're so much more of a whole person to show up to somebody else. I hate, <laughs> hate is a strong word, strongly dislike <laughs> when people say, this is my other half because then right. it implies you're not a whole person on your own. Very much the opposite. You know, I think that the most beautiful relationships are when two really strong, complete people join together as partners. Um, and I will say too, I'm going to show my age a little bit, but now that I'm going to become a mom, <laughs> whoever you choose to spend your life with, whether or not it's to have children or, or not, that's going to be your life partner. So if you wouldn't want to start a business with that person or you wouldn't want to have that person be your teammate, you know, for a tough mother, I don't know, whatever, but that, you know, you kind of have to think of it that way too. It's not just somebody who looks great on Instagram, you know, poses well, or is a good sport to take photos or has a blast with you out at the bars. It's somebody who, who do you want to be with you? you know, on your darkest days. That is such good advice. And gosh, when you're talking about like the manipulation and gaslighting, I just, um, with other people in my own life who have come to me for advice and they're like, how many hours do you think I should wait till I text him back or this or that? And I'm like, that is, that doesn't even seem enjoyable. Agreed. So that is just incredible. And the whole, I'm just echoing what you're saying at this point, but coming together as two people to be something stronger than yourself. So you have to be a strong individual to make something even stronger than yourself in the end. So that is just awesome. Thanks. I do think people treat you the way you let them. So I think that however you are being treated, you really need to ask yourself, what are those boundaries that you're setting? What is that standard that you're setting? What is the tone that you're setting? Because people are going to treat you however you let them. They will walk all over you if you let them. And not in a, I'm not trying to sound negative because very similarly, if you say, you know, I deserve to be respected and I deserve to be called when you tell me you're going to call or, you know, when we're out in public, you treat me with a lot of respect. I don't think that's too much to ask for, you know? Absolutely not. My mom always told me, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. And I think it goes hand in hand with this situation. If you don't stick up for yourself from the get-go and communicate what it is that you value and you deserve, there's going to be absolutely no boundaries going forward. Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. Your mom has sage advice. I love it. So Sam, something I've noticed and really admired and look up to is the fact that you can command a room with poise and elegance. You just stand up there and get people to listen to you. So what advice do you have for young girls and guys who want their ideas heard or are trying to communicate something? How do they command a room like you have done so well? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm regretting the way we opened this. No, um, I think that a lot of it comes from confidence for sure. Um, And I think confidence, everyone's like, oh, just, it's very similar when people say, just calm down when you're so stressed out. You're like, don't you think I would if I could? Like, that sounds great. Very similarly, people are like, just be confident. You'll be fine. And you're like, don't you think I would if I could? How this is, so this is my actual actionable way I have found to become more confident do something that scares the shit out of you, honestly. So I think that every time you do something you think you couldn't do, you form a new idea of who you are. And so it's doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. My therapist and I right now are working through this idea of challenging my comfort because, you know, like I said, I'm getting ready. I know this is probably not for everybody, but getting ready to become mom. There's a lot of things that are uncomfortable about that. So how can every day I challenge my comfort just a little bit? You know, what feels scary to me and how can I push past that? You know, it's almost like immersion therapy, therapy in reverse. So again, like I said earlier, we are a collection of the experiences we have, the people we meet, the conversations we have, the books we read, the movies we watch, the places we travel to. So broadening that world creates such a larger experience for yourself and builds so much more confidence. And 
it can be silly things like even starting to teach a fitness class. If that idea scares you, do it. You know, if you feel that call to do something, but you're like, but it's so scary or I don't know if I can do it. Or you have that self doubt, do it. Just put one foot in front of the other, keep moving, you know, take it breath by breath. But I think doing those things start to really build your confidence. As far as a professional setting, I think it's really, really important to think about what you're saying in a strategic way that adds value. So a huge part of that is knowing whatever organization you're working for, what their mission is, what their values are, and what their goal for the future is, right? So then you can make strategic suggestions that are aligned with that path for success. And you're demonstrating that you're acknowledging what's important to them and you have ideas on how to get there and how to really set that organization up for success. Now you made yourself invaluable to that company and you've also demonstrated that you're thinking really strategically. So I think that's a really, really, really big part of all of it. And I think too, just I, one of the things one of my earliest bosses said to me is when you email somebody like, oh, we have this problem, what should we do? Is very, very normal for someone who's, you know, pretty green in the, in the job force to say something like that. But instead, hey, we have this problem. I think the best thing to do would be this. What do you think? Or do you agree? And you lead with your recommendation or give them two recommendations, you know, and every single time you're coming. So then not only are you positioning yourself as someone who's solution oriented, you're also positioning yourself as an independent thinker. And you're saying, instead of coming to your boss with a ton of problems or being like, this crisis just happened. What do you want me to do? this crisis just happened. I think I'm going to handle it by doing blah, 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 blah. Or my recommendation is blah, 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 blah. It, can I move forward? You know, um, I think that's something I learned early that has really set me up for success. Can I just have you on my shoulder to tell um, me everything yes. to do going forward? Let us hire you back. Full time. <laughs> oh we can talk goodness. every day. <laughs> I love it. But Sam, do you realize that you helped me gain confidence? Oh, can I tell you? Best. No, talking about how you gained confidence is by broadening your horizons, really immersing yourself in things that scare, scare you. You invited me at MA Architects to be on a podcast and I was like, okay, let's do it. We're going to get it done. It's going to be great. But internally I was like, I am so scared. I am not qualified enough to talk about the things I'm talking about, but I did it. And because of that, it inspired me to do this. That's amazing. You're a natural, but I think that that's incredible. I would never have known that you were nervous. You did a great job. No, I was so nervous because next to you and Mark Bryan, I'm like, hello. No, (laughs) you did a great job, but that's amazing. That's exactly like, that's so, it's so fulfilling for me to hear that coming from you, you know, just that you did something that felt uncomfortable and then you gained all this confidence from it. It's an instant reward when you push yourself to that place. And so I think it's so cool. And it is how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you have opportunities throughout every single day to push yourself and to make yourself uncomfortable. And you have to be uncomfortable if you're going to grow. I just read this book and it was so interesting, but it's a growing pain, right? When you're seven and your shoe doesn't fit you anymore, no one's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You're like, okay, you're growing. You don't fit into that hole or that mold anymore of what used to work for you. You're growing. You're, you're, past that right so you have to level up and you have to grow up and if you feel that little twinge of anxiety you feel that little bit of discomfort chances are that you're leveling up there's never been in my life a promotion that I've had that I didn't say oh my gosh am I qualified for this you know can I handle this do they know that they just hired me for blah 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 you know like and and you do it and it's one day at a time I think some people get so anxious if you think about that whole big picture but it's one day at a time and it's just like I said just continuing to find ways to make yourself uncomfortable broaden your horizons and then it starts to all unravel no different than you you know you're on your second internship and 
or third internship now, you know, and you probably feel so much more confident in the world of communications than you did when you were just, you know, going for for school at Ohio State. So absolutely, it's things yes. like that. And I love the analogy of the shoe and how you wouldn't think if you're outgrowing a shoe, that's weird. Right. I absolutely love that. But going a little bit back to broadening your horizons, like you said, you are the sum of who you talk to and what you do. And the more you are broadening your horizons, I'm sure your confidence might get a little bit attacked, I assume, because you are opening up to more people and having their opinions of you and whatnot. So I guess what's your advice about not letting others' opinions really attack you or make you second guess yourself? Well, we wake up every single day with only X amount of energy and it's entirely up to you what you devote that energy to. So I've heard it as analogies of spoons where you can give a spoon away. I don't, that doesn't really resonate with me, but I know people use it a lot. (laughs) I think at the end of the day where your thought goes, your energy flows. So whatever you are giving your energy to and your thoughts to, that's what's going to continue to grow into your life. And I think that a lot of people, our minds are such a powerful, powerful thing. And it, it seems so crazy because you can get into a spiral where you're having imposter syndrome and you're doubting yourself and it's all this negative self-talk. And it, it can be as simple as just saying stop thought and just acknowledging and taking inventory of your thoughts and saying, you know what? choose again. I'm going to choose a different thought because this doesn't serve me. This doesn't support me. This doesn't strengthen me. I'm going to choose again and making those conscious decisions. And again, that shows up every single place in your life. That's in a workout class when somebody says, okay, we're going to do this for 45 seconds. And you're like, oh no, that's, that's not, that's insane. That's, I can't do that. I'm not fit enough. Or you could say, you know what? Choose again. I'm going to try. And all of a sudden you'll see it starts to show up in different places in your life. And what you practice in those small capacities really starts to take on much, much, much larger roles in your life, which I think is so, people think it has to be some big grandiose thing always to make a change in your life, but it starts small and it builds. That is so interesting. And I'm definitely going to use that for my negative self-talk because if you think about it, you're living most of your life in your own head. 100%. And I think it could get jumbled just thinking about it. You can literally tell that same talk, stop. 100%. Stop thought or choose again. I don't know why I find that so intriguing. That you can <laughs> I literally love. just say the word, but that is wild. And Sam talking about the mental health and things along those lines, you are literally doing all the things. Like I mentioned earlier, you're a director, you're a wife, you're soon to be mama. You are a workout instructor. You run other Instagrams. You do community service. You There's literally not something you don't do. So I'm curious, Can you talk to me about balance and how mental health plays a role in that? How do you keep a balance in your life? For sure. Um, Balance is definitely not a destination. I think you're never just like, okay, I'm balanced. Here we go. You know, it's definitely something that every day you fluctuate between. Um, For me, I had a really, two really, really impactful life experiences that both resulted in the loss of really significant loved ones and really significant relationships in my life. And what first was when I was 23 and I (laughs) didn't know anything about mental health. I didn't know anything about self-care. You know, I, I mean, yeah. So it was such a, a rude awakening because I had no coping skills. And it's crazy because as many things as we learn, and I know everyone jokes about, you know, how many times have you played the recorder since, you know, second grade or how many times have you used a protractor in the real world um we don't learn coping skills and we don't learn what to do when you are feeling depressed or anxious or when you're grieving or when you're feeling stressed out so 
I was really blessed that first experience um, brought me to therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy is my therapy of choice. I have a really brilliant therapist. I keep giving out her name and she's so booked, but she's wonderful. <laughs> I can't help it. She changed my life. Her name is Kate Pedro with Blue Boat Counseling. And she really, really helped me understand our brains are primitive in the sense that they're looking for schemas to comprehend and to understand. So a schema is a story. So our brains try to understand what's happening around us and try to take what is happening and they turn it into a story. And that's how we process and digest whatever it is that we experience in life. They call it a schema, right? And it creates these neurological pathways that basically just say, okay, this is how I'm going to house that memory in my mind. So you have a lot of control over that schema and how you interpret the things that happen to you. My mom used to always say, people are victims or victors. And there are people who are going to say, why me? Why me? Why me? And those are the schemas that you're digesting, you know, and that's really toxic. You know, it's, it's funny to me when people eat so healthy and work out all the time, but then they digest these really victim schemas. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know, you, you're so meticulous about what you put in your body, how you treat your body, but you are interpreting the world in this victim mentality. Whereas if you really look at it, for the lessons, you know, which lessons and letters, but um, if you look at it for the lesson or say, you know what, I'm better off because I did learn this or that was something that was really challenging for me and that is that challenge that changed me, you know, or whatever, then you digest that schema in an entirely different way and you've now libraried it in your brain in such a different way that will really propel you forward instead of hold you back. So I do think that's one really big thing that I learned from therapy So then I had started therapy and then I started some practices that really served my mental health, which like I said, I was 23. I mean, I was like, not (laughs) thinking about what I did back then is like humiliating, but you know, we're all on this, this journey and this growth path. Right. So I really started getting into yoga and acupuncture. Those are the things that really serve me. They make me feel really good, really grounded and light and all of those things. So then when I was 26 and had this really, really traumatic loss, I was at least better equipped, but more than ever, I really noticed that when I wasn't taking care of myself, I was, my anxiety was crippling, you know, my depression would get so dark that, you know, it's, it's really hard. And I think that it was really important for me to say, I have to take an hour to go get acupuncture because that makes me feel like I can handle this, you know, or I have to practice yoga because that makes my central nervous system feel calm enough to be able to handle a full day without feeling overwhelmed or feeling like I'm going to break down, you know, and not being apologetic. I think it's so wild how many people are apologetic when they try to take care of themselves because you have to put your oxygen mask on first. You have to take care of yourself. You know, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Take any analogy you want that you've heard probably a million times, but there are stereotypes and their analogies because they're true, right? Absolutely. You have to take care of yourself and you cannot feel apologetic for it because then it's like you didn't even get to enjoy the hour that you carved out for yourself. It's not selfish. It's really you're better able to serve and show up as your whole self if you are taking care of yourself along the way. Um, I think it's really important to listen to your body when it whispers so that it doesn't have to scream because a lot of people wait until things have gotten to a level 10 when if you just slow down and you, you did something about it when it was at a two or a three it would be so much easier to maintain and to control. We'd, we would never let our cars go on E and drive them until the, they're in the ground, you know? But so why, why are you any different the way that you choose to fuel yourself and what gives you that energy that, you know, whatever that gas is in your tank? Right. Why do we feel guilty about that? You know, that's so wild because you can't go anywhere once you're, you've driven that car into the ground. Um, so I really do think it's just so important not being apologetic for it. 
Absolutely. Sam, somebody needed to hear this today, myself included. I love that you not only normalize therapy and getting help and taking care of yourself and doing the things that bring you life and joy because so many of us, like I said, myself included, just kind of push it aside until it gets to that point where you can't handle it anymore. So like, like I was going or I'll cut this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was saying, you not only normalize it, but you're encouraging it. And I just want to commend you for that because that needs to be the new norm in society. I appreciate you saying that mental health is a really huge passion of mine, huge passion of mine. And when I got 40 under 40, it was actually because of my work in the mental health capacity. And that to me was the greatest honor of all. It had nothing. I, I, the fact that I was being recognized for that, I think like it was just the most humbling thing that's ever happened to me my whole entire life. And suicide, especially is something that's really, really important to me and really, really near and dear to my heart. And I think that a lot of people, when they're at a two or three and you start to have a couple bad days, you push it aside and you oh, I feel better. Or, so I'm just being a little baby or whatever it is, you know, and then you let it build and build and build and build and build. And anyone that gets to a 10, you know, that's a really scary place to be. And it's a lot harder to control and maintain. I think that, you know, two weeks is normally a really good rule of thumb. If you've been feeling in the funk for more than two weeks, it's time to seek counseling. It's time to seek help. It's time to tell somebody, you know, everybody has a couple bad days, but I think when it starts to really take on a pattern, that's that level two, that level three, that's your body whispering. That's your mind whispering. So it doesn't have to scream. But when I hear that people got to that place of that 10 and they had no other choice in their minds, but to take their own lives, my heart breaks for them because I just think this is our our duty to shift stigma to strength and to have these conversations that normalize mental health and just let people say, you know what, it's okay. We're here to support each other. Life is too hard to go through it alone. You know, that's why you have a congregation at church. That's why we have a community. It's, we're not meant to do this alone. So instead of internalizing those thoughts and those feelings or feeling guilty for them worse yet, you know, let's all be there for each other when we're at that two or that three. So no one has to get to a 10. Absolutely. And I think there's so much beauty too in being able to seek help and get to a better place and then take it upon yourself to share with others. Hey, I've been through this and I utilize this to get better. You can do it too. It goes back to what your mom was saying, like victim versus victor. Mm -hmm. You can be a victor and share the hard things you've been through. It's so true. I totally, totally agree. I love it. Now, Sam, this has been so wise and insightful and I literally don't know how you're pregnant because you do not have pregnant brain what's all. I'm it like out of breath <laughs> sitting. <laughs> no, I don't think it exists for you or ever will because you are seriously so intelligent and wise. But to close it off, I asked if you could bring a lesson and a letter yes. to the table. So you want me to start with a lesson? Yes, please. Okay. I think a really cool lesson that kind of ties everything that we've talked about together is this idea that nothing lasts forever. That's not meant to be negative. That's really meant to be calming. Again, it's up to you how you digest that schema, but I choose to take that as a really calming idea that nothing lasts forever. And it also makes me really appreciate what is good that is happening now. Um, So I think there's a physical way you can practice this, which I think is really, really cool. This is a lesson that I've learned, but it's a really simple meditation where you just lay down on your bed or in a chair or whatever it is. And for five minutes, you do not move. So innately when we lay down typically or we go to meditate, right, you want to like scratch your ear or you want to pull down your shirt or whatever it is. But the challenge is to not move, not one inch, okay? 
the idea is that you're teaching your brain that nothing lasts forever, no feeling lasts forever, and not every feeling deserves our attention. So that feeling to scratch your ear or that feeling to pull down your shirt doesn't really require your attention. And you learn that not every single thought, you know, intrinsic thought, it doesn't deserve an action. It doesn't deserve an emotion. You know, some things you can just let pass like a cloud. And some things, you know, you'll know when there are things that you need to act on. But this idea that you just let some things pass you by, you know, just knowing, again, everything, you know, what's for you will not pass you. So just letting those moments pass, letting those feelings pass and knowing nothing lasts forever, no feeling lasts forever. So even if you're in those moments of pain or grief or self-doubt, nothing lasts forever. And it's breath by breath, um, I think is a really big thing. That's an awesome tip. And even better that you gave a tangible way to live this out. Thanks. I love it, Sam. <laughs> also, I do want to say. Like sitting here in all of you. <laughs> You're so kind. Gosh, I'm just going to be around you forever. One thing I think is really important, especially for anybody listening, I am a woo-woo guru is what I've been labeled, right? Which I think yes. is really funny because yeah. I do just really, really, um, it's very naturally called to a lot of more holistic, natural healing modalities and things like that, which is great. Cause it's my truth. Um, I do love me a good yoga class and I love acupuncture and yes. I, you know, crystals, even who knows if they work, but I think they're cool. And I love the idea of intention setting. So that's all that, but, um, meditation and all these types of things that we've been talking about does not have to look like a yoga class or does not have to look like sitting cross-legged saying, um, in a dark room, uh, meditation is anything where you're being mindful. So anything where you feel alive for my husband, Russ, it's golf. He loves golf. You know, it brings him joy. It makes him feel alive. It makes him feel gratitude. It makes him have something to look forward to. That is his meditation, mindful meditation through movement, which I love. My dad loves to play guitar, you know? So I think that it's finding the things that make you feel really, really glad to be alive and, and really feel like you have joy. And to your point, you know, you're, you're there in that moment and whatever it is. That clears things up for me because that's how I envisioned meditation all along. Good. It really is just something that brings you that joy and peace. Absolutely. Makes you feel lighter. Absolutely. I'm learning something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and a letter? Yes. Okay. Um, I actually was just going to read you this letter. It was for uh, an interview, which I thought was really interesting. They asked me if I could go back 10 years and send myself a text, what would it say? So I was like, you know what? This, I think, is really applicable, and it still holds true. I wrote this a year ago, which is wild. So in the past year, I've gotten married, and about to have a baby in a month. And so, you know, but even still, it, it still holds true. So I think it's interesting. But uh, this is how it, it reads. In the next 10 years, you will experience things you would never have imagined, including the worst and best days of your life. Always believe that everything happens for a reason, especially when that feels like the furthest thing from the truth. You are stronger than you know and capable of more than you believe. No matter what, keep moving. Even if that means you have to measure progress, Beth... <laughs> I knew I was going to run out of breath. <laughs> Let me redo that. You're good. Her freaking legs Aww. are right here. And I'm like, no, they're not. <sighs> yeah, but I'm ready. You're good. Okay. You're good. In the next 10 years, you will experience things you would never have imagined, including the worst and best days of your life. Always believe that everything happens for a reason, especially when that feels like the furthest thing from the truth. You are stronger than you know and capable of more than you believe. No matter what, keep moving. Even if that means you have to measure progress breath by breath, you have to feel to heal and you'll be amazed and humbled by the beautiful people and acts of kindness that support you on your journey. No feeling is permanent and you can 
You will make it through. What is now your test will soon become your testimony, and there is a plan. You just have to keep your faith. Oh, my gosh. I'm chill. Uh-huh. <laughs> if everyone else were in this room, you'd see uh-huh. I literally have chills. That is so beautiful. Thanks, Can lady. you please frame that for your baby? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's actually a nice idea. I like that. You should. Thanks. In the nursery. It's a good idea. See, you always have good ideas. <laughs> no, that is so beautiful and really just a testament to who you are as a person, Sam. So, Again, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I've looked up to you and I'm so, so happy that you're able to come on. Oh, I'm so, so humbled and honored to be on here. You are just amazing. We're going to all see you one day on Forbes. Um, oh, amazing things to come. You are such an anomaly in this world. So well, you're you wonderful. first, you first. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you so much, Avery. It was great to be on.